Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various aspects of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. Hi, I'm Rob's guest. I'm Rick. Good to have you. You're always you're always welcome on the show. We've had you on several times. You've been a good guest. Keep coming back. Waiting for those checks to come in. You said you're going to pay me to be on the show. Yeah, I never said that. So don't hold your hey. breath. But anyways, Rick, what are we getting into? We're starting in we kind are, of a new season. We don't really go yeah. by seasons, but we're getting a new yeah. topic. What is it? Yeah, we're in dive into the book of Joel. Um, So it should be good. We're going to talk through some of the main themes and talk about how the Lord brings judgment. He calls us to repentance. The Lord is in our midst and then how he promises the Holy Spirit. So it should be really good and exciting. So please tune in. you doing rob i'm doing all right man a little frustrated with this pot track it's still not working the way that it was supposed mm. to call sweetwater i know well, i horn. did the last time and they said try a different sd card and i did oh. and still not doing the trick tell sweetwater try a better product yeah you know For seriously Come sell on, something better it's really anyway. zoom's fault but sweetwater yeah. will be the one hearing about it that's right that's business that's life that's business that's how the cookie crumbles sweetwater mm. What's new in, in the world of Rob Kane? Not a lot. Um, I'm trying okay. to. Th- I'm trying to think. That's good. We started up community group last night for the fall term. That was great. great. Had a good time, and we got to hang out out back, which was which was fun. And it was just a hangout night with it being the first one of the term. So, got to enjoy some good food. Dude, Costco. Yeah. Has this chicken that is basically Chick Fil A knockoff. Now, far be it for me. To say that any chicken out there is better than Chick-fil-A, but yeah. this stuff's close. It's good. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's just this Costco stuff that we get. And Danielle picked some up and whipped some together for food last night for CG, and it was a great time. Very, hey. very pleased with it. Dude, here's a here's a fun little un, not well-known fact. When Costco started, they were primarily a butcher shop that sold chicken. Really? So specialized in chicken, and it was Costco chicken. Nice. So. Yep. Did not know that. That's fun Fun go. to know. There you go, everybody. You're welcome for that. I mean, it's not true, but it sounds good. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so aside from making stuff up, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, Rob. Doing, doing pretty good. You're on cloud um, nine right now. We, we had Labor Day, uh, which was great. That was and good. Ended up laboring, uh, cleaned up the garage, which is... <laughs> you labored on Labor Day? Totally a dad thing. That Get is the old garage thing. cleaned. Um, but it was getting pretty rough in the old garage, Rob. And, uh, I know all about that life. Yeah, so it was good. It's like you know, so you had to pull it all out. It's much like, um, like sin and confession. Like it's kind of you could sweep the floor, you could do a little bit of this, but unless you're going to clean the whole house, unless you're going to clean out the garage, unless you're going to confess like all of your sin, like you could confess some of it, but you're not. You're, you're fooling yourself if you think you're. Um, really making a difference. You need Dude, to confess that'll all preach. your sin. That'll preach. Yeah. Sin's like a garage. Have you yeah. used that illustration in the sermon before? No, I just thought about it. Are you going to write it down actually. and use it for sermon illustration this Sunday? No, I do. I need to start a file like that where people like write down illustrations. Dude, it's called Evernote. 
That's my weakness. I know. I'm going to do that right now. I have that capacity <laughs> in my studio. Hey, yo. Um, I, I think I have told you this before. Sorry if it's loud with the boys. Yeah, I um, hear them. Yeah, they're, they're in there. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm not good with illustrations. I want to be better. So I'm going to start an illustration. I'm the same way, though. I'm not good with illustrations. So, <clears throat> one so that's of those what I did on Labor Day. Clean the garage. Growing. Sweet. Glad you labored what on you, Labor Day. What'd you do? What'd you, what'd you get into? We just hung out. We went to we went on a walk. We um, went to a park and walked around a lake and just stayed home. We didn't go anywhere other than those that place, and that was in Westerville. So we really didn't go much of anywhere. Hey, that's a, what, what park? Um, Sharon Woods here in Westerville. Oh, Sharon. Beautiful She's park. I didn't think I'd ever been there before, but I think we went um, to a party there like 10 years ago. Because I was okay. remembering some of it, and I asked Danielle about it, <clears throat> and she was like, "Yeah, that's where that party was." And so I was like, "Oh, I guess I have been here." So, yeah. Brian, homie, what are we getting into? Um, I know you're putting together your Evernote with your illustration. Yeah, just just make it a quick note. Don't you have to type out the whole thing exactly how you're going to say it? Just quick note so that you can I'm, be present. I'm not a quick. I don't do um, type quick, so. Um, yeah, we are getting into, as we had said last week, getting into the book of Joel. Um, so Joel is a minor prophet in the Old Testament. Um, there's 12 of the minor prophets, and they're not called minor prophets because their message is minor or doesn't matter. They are just shorter books. Um, some some scripts would refer to them as the 12. They are one of the 12 minor prophets in the book of Joel. That's good. You know what I think of every time I hear the name Joel? I have an idea. But I would is be it a shocked person? if you get this. Okay. Yeah, it is a person. Okay, give me one, give me two hints. It's not anybody you know. Well, then how would I ever guess it? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Is it, a, is it a famous person? No. Okay, then you asked me the question, you know what I think of. Yeah, I set you up for failure, but I, okay. I wasn't actually thinking that you were going to guess. It I see more this. More so a rhetorical okay. question. <laughs> Glad we're overanalyzing this. When I hear the name Joel, I think of mm-hmm. this kid that I went to first grade with mm-hmm. who nearly every day wore a Peyton Manning jersey. And so when I think, when I hear the name Joel, I think of the <laughs> Indianapolis Colts and a Peyton Manning jersey for because this kid would always wear it. In first grade, you wear like your, your favorite shirt four yeah. out of five days of the week. Yeah. And this kid's favorite shirt was easily his Peyton Manning jersey. There you go. What was Joel's last name? I couldn't even tell you. I don't know. His name's Joel. He's a legend. He lives on today. Yeah. What if he's still wearing a Peyton Manning jersey? He probably is. That's a tip of the cap. I think Peyton Manning is going to go down as one of the the best quarterbacks. One, because he's really good. But two, there ain't who doesn't like Peyton Manning? Like, does he have enemies? So Peyton Manning. Be honest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he does. <laughs> There's like a whole thing on the internet about. Peyton Manning's shenanigans while he was playing. So that is not, I, I really shouldn't even have said that because I don't know how true any of that stuff is. But there's a group of people that do not like Peyton Manning. I mean, maybe some. They're I mean, out there. Some, I, yeah. I like him just because yeah. I just, I don't know him as a person. So I don't know how true any you of those things uh, are. I, yeah, believe it or not, yeah. he uh, we don't text too much anymore. But I <laughs> don't know him. I just know him as a player and as a commercial icon and yeah. that dude is hilarious in commercials and i always rooted for him when he played tom brady so yeah which is hard because you're a big tom brady fan uh, no, i am not i'm more of a tom brady fan today than i was even a few years ago because now mm-hmm. he's no longer on the patriots so if he wins it's just yeah. like good for him this is greatness for witnessing yeah. rather than a franchise running away with 
goat status. So there you have it. Yeah. Next okay. week and simple theology sports. <laughs> yeah. Right. Seriously, what are we already nine? Look at Joel. This thing. So I will say a couple things about Joel, and um, just as we kind of do a, a somewhat of a, an overview, like we don't know exactly uh, when Joel was written. There's not as much to, to glean from um, to kind of peg it as far as like when like as far as when um, it was written. So that's kind of difficult. Yeah. Um, people differ on those things. But The name, so speaking of when I hear yeah. the name Joel, what I think of, yeah. has nothing to do with Peyton Manning and the Colts, but the name mm. Joel, the son of Pethuel, literally means Yahweh is God. And it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Joel, name means Yahweh is God. That's how we get the title of this book. So we'll see some of those themes as we go. Yeah. Um, so... When you get into Joel, it opens up with this story about these locusts, um, this kind of plague of locusts and how they destroy the land. And it's Joel talking about to the elders, to the old, like, listen, you you who know these things, you should be recounting. Remember with the Lord, like the Lord's judgment, and he talks about the locusts destroying, 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 and how the Lord will bring his judgment Um through these things, but yeah, Rob, what are some? I mean, just some preface or preface there with the locusts as a main kind of thing when people hear Joel, they think of that. But what are some of the main themes? Yeah, so we've got four main themes that we're gonna briefly cover on this introductory episode into the book of Joel. So the first one is the day of the Lord. The second one is repentance. The third one is the Lord in their midst, and the fourth is the promise of the future outpouring of the Spirit. And for those of you who have an ESV study Bible, you can follow along. We're getting those directly from that. As we've said before, Crossway has done a great service in providing the ESV study Bible. And when we go through these passages, that's one of the primary sources that we look at and just kind of see what some of the notes are on that. We found that to be very faithful and very helpful. So if you do have an ESV Mm -hmm. study Bible, turn to the introduction of Joel, and you can see some of the stuff that we're going to be getting into today. And those key themes that we just mentioned, all four of them come from this introduction. So, before we, you get started, quick question: How many people do you think listen to this while they're sitting? Oh, like, very able few. To op- open their Bible and yeah, very yeah. few. I think most people listen to podcasts in the car or so those, doing dishes for those who are or driving, doing something uh, other than don't pull out your ESV Bible. Yeah, I don't think anybody or very few people go into a room for the sole purpose of listening to a podcast. It's mm-hmm. usually doing other things while they're listening to the podcast. Which is one of the great things about podcasts. So, therefore, if you are doing something and you can't turn to the introduction to Joel in your ESV study Bible, then you're in a good place because we're just going to read it to you. We're going to talk about these four themes and we're going to give you the overview of each of them. So, the first one is the day of the Lord. So, this is a major theme in Joel. And the exact expression, day of the Lord, is Yom Yahweh. So that's the Hebrew. I'm sure I'm not saying that exactly how it's supposed to be said. But, um, and that that phrase shows up five times in the book of Joel, which is pretty significant because that phrase shows up 13 times total in seven other prophetic books. So we see that phrase a total of 18 times, 13 are over seven books, and then Mm -hmm. five of them are found just right here in Joel. So there's a little bit of a... um, an emphasis on it in this Mm -hmm. specific book. But then when he's talking about the day, so when Joel refers to the day, he's referring not only to a final day of judgment upon the nations, which he is, we see that in chapter 3, verse 2, 
but also to God's ongoing judgment of Israel specifically, mm-hmm. past and future. And so we see instances of his intervention between Israel and the nations, and each time that the, the day of the Lord, that phrase is used, it indicates a time where, um, where the presence of the Lord brings judgment or deliverance and blessing. So there's this, this hope of the day of the Lord and him coming back and him providing judgment against Israel's enemies. But there's also this warning that the day of the Lord is coming and he's going to bring judgment even on Israel. So we're going to see that pretty consistently throughout this book. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's one of those things that ties in, you know, how the Lord brought about his, his uh, judgment and how he's going to bring about his judgment. And a lot of that, go ahead. A lot of that connects into with like repentance and faith. So yeah, so you're as, getting ready to to slide into that yeah. second one. But before you do, mm-hmm. just to point out, there's this phrase here, right here in the um, introduction to this under the day of the Lord, that I don't want us to miss. It says, therefore, mm-hmm. although the day heralds destruction for the nations, it also functions as a time of salvation for God's people. The yes. Lord remains a refuge amid the chaos of judgment. And so right before we slip into the, that second theme of repentance, mm-hmm. it's important to note that the day of the Lord, as, we said, yeah. as I said a little bit earlier, but it does refer to coming judgment, and with that judgment comes destruction. Yeah. There is, however, refuge amid that judgment and amid that chaos, amid that, um, what the ESV study Bible here says, chaos of judgment, that destruction that's going on, there is a safe place, and yeah. that safe place is in the Lord. And yeah. we get to see Amen. hints of that throughout this book of the coming Messiah. But just when you see Day of the Lord in this book, those are the two things to think of, the coming judgment for nations as well as Israel, but then also the hope that is found in the salvation that is found in God. Yeah. Amen. And that the way that the Lord... Um, works his salvation he you know we are called to repent and so there is this theme of repentance um that the, the whole people would cry out and we see this in uh, chapter one beginning in verse 13 and just to read one verse it says put on sackcloth and lament O priests wail O ministers of the altar go in pass the night in sackcloth O ministers of my god because grain offering and drink offering are withheld from the house of your god and so you see this call to repent into repentance, that the whole community would, would even be sincere in that, not just a um, kind of a passing, okay, we're sorry we made a mistake, um, you know, we're willing to be obedient, but a repentance. And as Joel is saying, the, the Lord, these offerings, the grain and drink offerings are withheld because of the locusts have been destroyed. And so they're not able to even fulfill the, the law's requirements for their repentance, their acts of repentance, if you will, which means and they have to have, they have to be show repentance with their heart, and the whole community is called to that. Um, and even in that, it's not like you're forcing God's hand. You can't say, "Well, we're going to call repentance, and the Lord has to forgive us," because that's what He says. No, it's up to the Lord to decide what He's going to do. But the first act, the response of the nation, is as repentance um, for their rebellion and their wickedness. And you see that, as you're saying, like the, the day of the Lord's coming, there's, there's a, a call to repentance throughout the book of Joel. But then we do see, like, as you're saying, the Lord provide. And he's saying, even in the midst of that, the Lord delivers. 
Yeah. So you, you talked about lament mm-hmm. in that. Why do, you, why do you think it's so difficult for us to lament today? Well, I think there's a couple different answers. One, the first part of lamenting um, is confession. And so there has to be an, admit, an admittance, uh, um, admission of guilt, an admission of, man, I, we've missed the mark, an admission of, you know, just there's wickedness in the world, you know, admission that God is uh, holy and sovereign. So there's that first element of human nature that we don't want to do. And then secondly, we, we don't, we just don't like pain or difficulty. So we want to confess, we want to acknowledge, okay, that was wrong, and move past. We don't want to stay and, and lament. I mean, in verse, in verse 13, um, it says, Go in past the night in sackcloth, O ministers of God. Like This idea of, like, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to physically sit and lament and allow the weight of these things to, to, to sit on me and to grieve and to share that with the Lord. So I think our hearts, one, we don't like difficult things. Two, we don't like to confess our own sin and, and say, man, look look what mankind has done. Look what I've done with these things. Yeah. So that's off-the-cuff answer for that. No, I think that's good. I think it, I think there's also just an aspect of it to where it's uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. a lot of, a lot of in the West, everything is geared toward comfort. Yep. So whether that be being able to have access to shows on demand through Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu, whatever, or Prime, or whether that's um, going to church on Sunday, things are geared toward comfort. And if this thing, uh, lament, feels uncomfortable, then we tend to stay a little bit away from it. Whereas it's a, it's a normal emotion, it's a normal theme throughout Scripture that God's people take time to lament, to recognize mm-hmm. that we live in a fallen world. And there are broken things around us. I um, saw someone post, it may have been Ray Ortland, but that we get glimpses of uh, the Genesis 1 world mm-hmm. where God's creation is good and it's beautiful. But then we also get reminders and glimpses that we live in a Genesis 3 world where there's fall, there's fallenness, there's death, there's destruction. Mm-hmm. And to deceive yourself into thinking that we're just living in a Genesis 1 world and never take that yeah. time to lament, to recognize yeah. that we do live in a fallen world, to recognize that there is um, repercussions to, to sin, that there is mm-hmm. death and destruction and pain. To not take that time to lament just can't be healthy for mm-hmm. you long term to consistently be everything is happy, mm-hmm. everything is go lucky. Um, yeah. yeah, this thing happened, but that's okay. Like we're moving forward and it's... Yeah. it's it just feels very unaware. Mm-hmm. Well, and it is. Like you're literally like saying, I don't want to be aware of my own heart. I don't want to be aware of how other people are doing. I want to push that aside and go on and do something else fun or portray myself as healthy. And so you're ignoring, I mean, you know, it's when you have a, like, imagine having a, a flesh, a, a wound or something with your body, and you're just ignoring that. Yeah. Like, that will catch up to you. Yeah. It will. Yeah. So true. So we need to prioritize time and space to lament. Yeah. And one of the hopes that we have in our lament, even though that wasn't one of the themes, is as we, it's a nice little transition piece here mm-hmm. into Way that third, is that the Lord is with us. And so that third theme, the Lord in their midst. We see 
throughout that throughout the Old Testament, God mm-hmm. being a covenant keeping being of covenant keeping character. And so he makes these covenants, he makes these promises with his people. And his people are unfaithful. And so God not being able to dwell with sin can't be in their presence, but God consistently is faithful to his covenant and he doesn't abandon his people, but he finds ways to dwell among them. So we see that mm-hmm. with the tabernacle and we see his promise to dwell in the midst of his people in Joel. We see that in uh, chapter 2, chapter 3, um, and just throughout the the Old Testament we see it. But now, with Joel, we see that even as this day of the Lord is coming, mm-hmm. that even as there's going to be destruction, there's going to be judgment, God promises to be with his people. So anyone who would call on his name, he will not forsake. And the book ends with this goal of his presence being known. Read in chapter 3, verse 21. He says, I will avenge their blood. Blood I have not avenged, for the Lord dwells in Zion. So the book comes to its conclusion by reminding the reader that the Lord is in Zion. He's dwelling with his people. He has not forsaken them. And so highlighting this is is a big theme throughout Joel, but it's also something that we just need to be reminded of today. I was talking in on the sermon this past Sunday mm-hmm. of the transcendence of God, that yes, God is transcendent. He is bigger and more far away from us than what we could ever even imagine. Mm-hmm. But the unique thing about Christianity is that God is also imminent, and he has come in, and he has drawn close because there is that gap. And so he, by being a covenant-keeping partner, he finds a way to bridge that gap of transcendence to where he is. Yes, he is transcendent, but he has also found a way to be close mm-hmm. and to invite others to be close with him. And I just tried to talk to the non-believers in the room and say, look, if you're if you're not a believer and God feels transcendent, that's because it should feel that way, because God is far from you. Mm-hmm. Until you embrace Christ, he will remain far from you. And so in the same way as Joel talks about um, judgment that's coming on the day of the Lord. For those who have embraced Yahweh, for those who have embraced Christ today, those who have put their hope in this coming Messiah in Joel's day, they will dwell securely in the presence of the Lord. And we see that fulfilled most clearly in the person of Jesus, that if we do embrace him, then we are united to him. What I mean, what do you think it is that keeps people, you talk about the imminence of God, that he's close, he's in our midst. Uh, so many, I think, Christians f- don't feel that close. Or it's like, it's like a, you know, it's like a relative, like they're close. Like, I know them, they know me, you know, yeah. care about them. You know, if they call me up, I do anything for them, but we're not hanging out on a Saturday night kind of a thing. What's the disconnect? I mean... There's a lot of different answers that are. All are you referring to, that to question. Christians but for, in their relationship? For Christians in America, that what's the disconnect between their belief that God loves them, He's good, and and the the and Him being imminent? Because it feels like He's not imminent. It doesn't feel like He's in our midst. Yeah, this is so. There's a, a few things I'm sure that would be good answers. Um, the one that comes to mind is a lack of just biblical knowledge and a lack of knowing the story of, of Scripture. 
And I'm not talking about on a broad sense. I'm talking about seeing how God has been faithful and being saturated with the scriptures. Because if, if we're in the scriptures and we're consistently seeing how God has addressed his people and how he's been patient with them mm-hmm. and how he has not deserted them, we're going to more clearly see how God responds to his people. And if we are in Christ, then we are considered as his people. And so we can have a better understanding of how he interacts with them. And as we see the mercy, and as we see the patience and the kindness and the love that he has poured out onto his people, mm-hmm. then we can start to see, wow, God has been all of those things to me. I mm. see him being yeah. that to Israel. He has been all those things and more to me. I see him yeah. being that to Christ. Now me, being united to Christ, he has, he has been that to me. And so not, not that necessarily Christ was... <laughs> disobedient or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But even Christ, when I, I think of him in the garden, saying, God, if there's any other way, like, let this mm. cup pass from me. And how many people today are going through something that are like, God, if there's any other way, like, please take me yeah. out of this. Yeah. And to see the way that Christ responded, to see the, the love that the Father had on the Son, even as he sent him to his death, we can be reminded that if we are united to Christ, then the, the love that he has for his Son, he has toward us, because we are in the Son. Yeah. Amen. So I think I think that's at least one of the answers to why mm-hmm. people don't feel as don't feel the imminence of God because they're not yeah. as aware of what He has done throughout the course of history mm-hmm. in His relationship with His people. Yeah, that's good. It's a good answer, Rob. Do you have an answer that you would Shepherd. like to throw out there? Yeah, I mean, I think I'd say similar things. I think that also we get our expectation from what our relationship with God should look like from unhealthy, unhelpful sources. And and part of that's social media. Part of that is just like, almost like Christian folklore. Like nobody has sat down and told me, this is what it looks like practically to live in Ohio and be a a follower of Jesus. Yeah. But there's just kind of idea. And so you're left wondering like, yeah, you hear someone share testimony on Sunday about something God's doing and it sounds awesome. And you're like, that should be the norm. Why isn't that happening? And it should be the normal thing to, you know, just be on fire for the Lord and um, in their seasons, but the Lord is faithful and we are called to be faithful to him. And so I think you touched on a lot of good things. Like all right, we're not, we're not filling our heart, our minds with the things of God. So very naturally, then those are not going to be the things that flow out of us. Yeah. So, yeah. It's good. good. Good stuff. Yeah, so we do see um, kind of a, a culmination of these these themes coming together, the, the day of the Lord, uh, the repentance of the people, and God dwelling uh, amid his people, in the midst of his people, converging in this, the promise of this future outpouring of the Spirit, right? So I'm going to read a, a passage here out of uh, chapter 2 of Joel, and beginning in verse 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. Even on the even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit. Verse 30. And I will show the wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire, and con- blood and fire, and consumes of smoke, columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord, of the Lord comes. 
And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape, as the Lord has said. Among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. And we see this culmination of the day of reckoning coming, the day of the Lord of judgment. Also, there's this working of repentance, the Lord bringing about repentance for his people, and the Lord being in the midst of all that. And so this is like Joel giving um, the believer or the, the Jews, God's people, hope, saying, listen, there is the Lord is not done. He's not saying, hey, the locusts are coming. You should repent, but this is it. And you read the, the very last passage in Joel. Like, there is yet hope. And so here we are. The first advent of Christ has come. He's come. The Messiah has come. Atoned for our sin, right? We're in the church age. The Lord uh, has poured out his spirit on the church. It's a beautiful thing. But we are similar to the people that Joel is talking about. Like, we're waiting. We're in this spot where we need to be faithful, where we need to be uh, people of repentance, knowing that the world around us is crumbling and there's all these, all these bad things are happening, but we are faithfully waiting for the promise of the Lord, trusting in that. Yeah, yeah, amen. Do you remember being, I think we were in a German airport when we were on our way back from yeah. England, and we were talking with that really fascinating guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tim Sullivan. That's it. I remember Tim. I didn't remember Sullivan. That's awesome. Um, and he he was talking for a while about blood moons. Do you remember that? That was like all the rage back in the. I was gonna say like I just read that and I thought oh, yeah. yeah, Tim, there he is. Tim. Yeah, you want to speak people, to blood moons? Not really, other than like they are a, um, a natural phenomenon that the Lord. Allows and um, but you know I think people want to track. They want to know. Okay, when's the day of the Lord? Like, when's it gonna happen? When this thing happened? They make these calculations, and I, you know, it's like, hold on. The, the theme here with the Lord's pointing to not that bl- the reference to a blood moon doesn't matter, but what matters is his, the message of the Lord's wrath, and that we need to be a people of repentance, and the Lord is gonna pour out His Spirit, and those things are coming. Yeah, um, I'm gonna r- just read a, a paragraph out of this is the the ESV. Um, Gospel Transformation Bible, and it says both judgment and the promise remind us of our desperate need for God's help. The judgment that our sin deserves is far worse than a plague of locusts. The promise of the Spirit reminds us that the help we need is nothing less than supernatural. Through the ministry of Jesus Christ, the requirements of judgment and of supernatural provision have both been met. Jesus took upon himself the plague of our judgment for our sins, and then promised and provided the gift of the Holy Spirit. Preaching at Pentecost, the Apostle Peter explains that in Jesus, in Jesus, the day of the Lord, prophesied by Joel, has taken place, not at the end of history, but in the middle of history. For believers, the end-time judgment has been carried out already at the cross of Christ. The Spirit not only enables us to believe and receive this free gift, but also empowers us to live a new gospel-shaped life. And the book of Joel does get into end-time things, what's the end-time, day of the Lord, all those things. And so we're not going to go deep into this, but what that comment, that commentary is saying is, listen, as believers, we don't show up to the day of judgment thinking, okay, 
am I am I in or am I out? I've yeah. been thinking I'm in, but you know we're not. This isn't a question. There'll be two separate judgments for the believer and for the non-believer. We will give an account for our life, but this is not a time. Um, what's the passage in? Is it in Philippians? What are you referring to? Perfect love casts out fear. Um, or no. just this idea that I feel like it's in First John. It might be because we. We preached the first John this spring, and then we preached the Philippians. So I'm going to first John four eighteen. So this idea that people want to use that and say, "Well, listen, we shouldn't be fearful people." Well, we shouldn't be fearful people because God's sovereign. But in context, that verse is talking about judgment. Hmm. That as believers, we're not fearful because Christ's perfect love in us drives out any fear of I mean, what's the judgment going to bring. So likewise, as believers, knowing that the day of the Lord is coming, we're not fearful. Because our hope is in Christ, and Christ's perfect love drives out that fear. Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right, that's a good overview. Some consistent themes we're going to be seeing. Is there anything else that you want to add into that, Rick? No, but I was, as I've been doing a little bit of reading, like people talk about some of these locust plagues yeah. like around the world, like historically, and I'm going to have to check out some, I'll Google it or, or YouTube it because they say some of these things are vicious. Oh, sheesh. Like there's like, That'll it's be a fun episode. That's literally like our next episode. You, you it know it. Off, first few years to start off with that. So <laughs> do your research. Come back here, listen to more. You guys can find more about you can find out more about us at simpletheology.org. You can mm. hit us up online on Instagram at simpletheologypod. We're also on Facebook, Facebook.com slash simpletheology, but you can find all that stuff on the website. And just to be perfectly candid, our social media presence is <laughs> next to non existent. So if anyone wants to do that, be our guest. But all that to say, if you have any, um, <laughs> if you have any uh, suggestions in terms of topic, feel free to send mm. them in. You can send them into info at simpletheology.org, or you can head over to our website and you can send them in right over there. You can also leave us a voicemail by just going over to the website, and there's a little button in the bottom right that will allow you to do that. And if you like the show, if you're encouraged by it, and you would like to buy us a coffee, you can do that on the website as well. Just click on the support button. Sweet. Well done, Rob. Well done there. All right, y'all. Peace out. See you next week. Peace.